Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you being here day by day. We have uh, begun our foray into Jeremiah chapter number 32, and we read a very interesting story yesterday, at least to me, this story about the cousin of Jeremiah coming to prison to visit Jeremiah and having the audacity to say, hey, Jeremiah, you're next in line. I've got some property in our hometown. I want to sell you. You can buy it. Now, by buying the property, Jeremiah would be saying, I see the value of God's promise. I see the value of land ownership. I see the value of our family name. But none of that makes any sense because Babylon has already invaded. And it appears that that land is not ever going to be able to be used by a Jew again. And uh, why would you buy property when you're in prison can't go anywhere? This seems like a really, really bad purchase and the fact that Hanamiel would even come to prison to, to ask it is really audacious. And yet God told Jeremiah ahead of time, this is going to happen by this property. And what does Jeremiah do? He does what God tells him to do. And God says, by doing that, Jeremiah, you have put your money where your mouth is. You've been telling people that the land will be restored. You've been telling people that God will bring people back to the land, but now you've spent money to demonstrate that you believe. You put your money where your mouth is. That's the best way to say it. Now, look at verse number 16, and let's see how this story continues to unfold. Now, when I had delivered the evidence, and don't you love the use of the word evidence over and over in this passage. You know why? Because when it comes to God's word and comes to what God says and the actions God requires, it's all evidence. God's word is true. God's promises are true. God's way is right. It's evidence. And even as Jeremiah had those two documents placed in that clay jar, it was almost like it was a time capsule to say, it, this might seem really dumb now, but the evidence will be in the future that this was a really, really smart decision, right? Uh, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So here, this was a step of faith to buy this, and that was evidence of the fact that one day that property would be very, very valuable, and it would not have been a bad decision at all. So verse number 16, now when I had de delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord. So after this was all said and done, he did this in front of all the people. He gave Baruch the two documents, put them in a jar, Baruch leaves, and now Jeremiah is just emotionally, this is taking a lot out of him. And so he takes his burden to the Lord. And we're going to see the prayer, or at least part of today, the prayer 
that Jeremiah prays. Look at verse number 17. Ah, Lord God. And when you see that term, ah, A-H, Lord God, it's as if Jeremiah is sighing like, oh, God. You know, I don't mean that disrespectfully, the way I just said that. Oh, Lord God. Like, I think there's a, 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 a sense of almost futility on the part of Jeremiah. Like, that was hard to do, Lord. That didn't make a lot of sense, Lord. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. There is nothing too hard for thee. Lord, I know who you are. I know that you're the creator God. I know what you've done. And I'll say this, during prickly times in our life, when it seems like the relatively small circumstances of life are not piecing together, are not working out, don't seem to be under God's control. That's a great, that's a great time to kind of zoom out, to zoom out and to see, oh, the creator God, all the universe. Just stop for a moment in your puzzling situation and turn off the street lights and turn off the house lights and go outside and look up at God's lights and go out and look at the stars and contemplate them for a while and realize that God, our God, made that. He's in control. Verse number 18, thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. God, you've been good to people. You've showed your loyal and faithful love to thousands and recompensest the iniquity of the father's into the bosom of their children after them. Now, that doesn't mean that God is judging the children for the father's sins. We've already covered that. We talked about that several episodes ago, that that was a proverb of the day, but that's not true. God does not judge me for your decision. The point here is that God did not immediately judge the fathers, but he allowed, because of his loving kindness and because of his his mercy, he allowed things to, to go for, for generations before finally the bosom of the children, it fell right in the lap of the children, like, like the generation of Zedekiah. Uh, they're tasting the judgment, not because they were the only sinners, their dads sinned and their dads sinned, and every generation was culpable, but one generation is going to pay the price, but that generation has also committed the sins. So if you look at where this verse is quoted from, that's Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And in that verse, it says that each generation are those that hate him, that hate him, that hate the Lord. So it doesn't mean that one generation did wrong and the generation here that did no wrong pays for it. No, it means that this generation did wrong and this one did wrong and this one did wrong and this one did wrong and they're going to pay the price for it. But that the, the fact the other ones did not pay the same price just means God was merciful. But every one of them owed that same price. Does that make sense? So look at verse number 18 again. So Lord, that's who you are. You're faithful. And you've taken the road of mercy in most cases and, 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 and loving kindness. And, and you, you've been very slow to anger. Uh, you are the, you're, the, you're the great, the mighty God. The Lord of hosts is his name. God, your reputation is um, unflappable. 
It's your reputation is unsullied in all of this. Great in counsel, mighty in work. Your, your plans are right. Your execution of those plans are right. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men. Do give everyone according to his ways, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God, you are the only fair doer of right. You're the only one that knows the motives. You know the works. You know what everyone's doing. You know how it all can flows together, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day. So there, there were, even in Jeremiah's day, there were signs of the Egypt exodus. Some have said you could see the chariot marks even up until a couple thousand years ago uh, of of the the departure from Egypt or whatever those signs were, even in Jeremiah's day, it was evident physically to people of what God had done miraculously for his people when he led them out of Egypt. And with signs and wonders, remember the Red Sea and the plagues and all of it, And, and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror, I mean, God, you did that. You destroyed all the chariots of, the army of, the world power of the day, Egypt, and has given them this land. Lord, you went through great demonstration of your power and great grace and mercy just to give us this land. Now, remember, Jeremiah bought just a small little sliver of that land a few days ago, even that very day that this prayer is being prayed. Thou hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what Jeremiah's saying in this prayer? God, you're the great God who could do anything, and you chose in your providence to give this land to us by your power, by your strength, by your mercy, by your grace, by your loving kindness and loyalty to your covenant. You gave us this land. And they came in, uh, our forefathers, Jeremiah says, and they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in, in thy law. They have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore, thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Lord, I'm not blaming you for the fact that I just purchased land that is inhabited by the enemy that I'll probably never get to see or realize the benefit of the land I've purchased. I'll probably never raise a crop there. I'll probably, I'll definitely never raise a child there. A Jeremiah never, never was married. And so uh, this was a, a sad thing and yet uh, a needed prayer for Jeremiah to realize, but God, this is not your fault. This is ours and the fault of our people. Now look at verse number 24. This is where I really wanted to get to because this expresses Jeremiah's heart. Behold the mounts. So as Jeremiah is praying, he, he points to the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the goodness of God, the plan of God, the gift of God in this land, the fact that God's people took God's gift and sullied it. And now Jeremiah says, God, look at the mounts. And the, the mount here refers to the mounds that the Babylonians were building, these earthen mounds, these ramps, if you will, so that they could breach the city walls, so that they could come in and 
effectively destroy God's people in Jerusalem. So it's like, Jeremiah's like, look at this. We're right at the end. Look at the mounts. They are come into the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword. Those are those that die on the wall. Of the famine, those are those that die because of the shortage of food. And the pestilence, the disease that comes because of malnutrition. And what thou hast spoken has come to pass. Behold, thou seest it. And thou said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witnesses for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. So Lord, look at this. They're coming. The end is near. And you told me to buy a field. You told, now, is this a statement of faith on the part of Jeremiah or a statement of frustration? I think it's both. I think Jeremiah academically understands, Lord, I I get your promise. You are going to bring the people back one day. It's hard to see now when I'm looking at these mounds and looking at those swords and looking at this siege. It's hard to see. But Lord, I believe it academically. But Lord, in my heart, it's like I just spent this money I really need on land that I really don't need in this moment. Lord, this is hard. And it's not wrong to take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. It's not wrong to express your disappointment and even your question marks. That's really what the Psalms are all about. And I think that's what Jeremiah is doing here. What do you need to take to the Lord today? What is it that you know you're confident that God has wanted you to do, but it just doesn't make sense in the moment? And yes, academically, you believe the promises of God. You know that God works all things together for good. You're just not seeing it in the present deed of the purchase that you've made. And we're going to see how God fixes all of this and really adjusts Jeremiah's thinking in such an encouraging way. But we'll have to wait for that uh, till next episode. So we'll jump into verse number 26 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.